Hey, that sounded great. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, hey, Robert. Was that Rocky Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions? You know your music trivia. All right. Good Fantastic, guess. yeah. Yeah, I was recently uh, reading up on the Portuguese and their involvement in the early exploration movement, and it seemed like they were rocking the world like a hurricane, so I thought I'd learn a little Scorpions music as well. So you want to hear some information about the uh, Portuguese and their exploration? Do I? That With an intro like that, how yeah. can I refuse? Tell me more. It really wasn't Play a question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really wasn't a question, but, you know, so... Well, you know, welcome to the American History Podcast number one that we're going to do today. Today, we're going to look across the Atlantic Ocean to the country of Portugal. As you may know, Portugal is on the Iberian Peninsula in the southwest corner. Portugal's much larger neighbor is Spain. In, the, in size, Portugal is about the size of Indiana. They give you kind of a reference point. Hmm. Lisbon is the capital of Portugal. And in the south, Portugal is the country of Morocco in northern Africa. As a reference point, the continent of Africa is over 326, 326 times the size of Portugal. If you get a chance, I suggest that you kind of look at a map later on of Portugal and their exploration. This will give you kind of an overview of what it looks like, how small Portugal is and how mammoth Africa is. And this might help you. Uh, with the remainder of this podcast. Wow. So, okay, enough of the geography lesson. Let's address the critical question, why the Portuguese exploration of the 13th and 14th century is so important to American history. Hmm. I know. Good question, right? I'm glad I thought of it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, Robert, about this country, the size of Indiana. Yeah. What? kind of impact it could have on us today. Yeah, it's amazing. Most people don't know that. So to answer that question, we need to travel back to Portugal in about the 13th and 14th century and look at some of the challenges they really faced during this time. The first of those and the most famous is the Black uh, Death. Ew. Yeah, Yeah, that's not good. It's not, right? (laughs) The, The name of it alone sounds bad. So In 1347, the Black Death kind of took over all of Europe, uh, killing a third to a half of the population at the time. It would kind of pop up as decades roll on, so it was something that they had to deal with pretty constantly. But disease in general was a problem for these people because the average lifespan was only 32. So just to give you a reference, that that gives me another 10 years to live. I'm just saying, okay? (laughs) Uh, I'm already dead. Oh, well, (laughs) sorry about that. (laughs) The other issue that uh, Portugal had to face, like other European countries, was uh, building nation states. So the nations that we have today are largely founded on what happened in the 13th and 14th century and consolidation of powers uh, within these areas. Uh, The third issue that they faced was religious diversity. Unlike us today, uh, they did not tolerate other religions. And Portugal at this time was a mixed bag. Uh, There was not only Christians there, which is what most people think, but there was also what people call Moors, and Moors are Muslims, and Hebrews or Jews as well. So they had their own conflicts internally about that. The biggest issue, and we're going to face, we're going to talk more about that today, is the lack of power and the desire for the Portuguese to obtain goods 
that they did not produce themselves, neither did Europe at the time, okay? So although geographically, Portugal looks like it's in a great spot, it's right on the Atlantic Ocean, it has about 600 miles of coastline, uh, but nonetheless, for trading purposes, the Portuguese were really facing the wrong direction in all of this. Hmm. To get goods from Asia, which is what they wanted in Asia is both India and China, basically. They had to go through either uh, Venice, uh, which is in northern Italy, okay. and the home of a guy named Marco Polo, who you might have heard of, hmm. uh, and or the Turks, the Ottomans or the Turks, which is in the Middle East. Uh, and neither one of these options played very well for the Portuguese. So you've got a country that's uh, struggling with a lot of different things. It wants to be a player economically yeah. in all of this. And that's the challenge that they're going to face. But you've got plague. You've got religious unrest. You've got maybe some political unrest. And then everywhere they look, they've got to go knocking on other people's doors to even get goods that they can't produce themselves. Yeah, it's a little like we have today. Most of the stuff that we have produced or that we buy here in America is probably not made here in America. Sure. So they were looking outside their uh, perspective or their area looking for other things to happen. Okay. So uh, for the Portuguese, they did have the right person step in on the, the stage of history to tackle many of these issues right. uh, that I just reviewed. His name is Infant Henrique. He's better known as Prince Henry, the Navigator, which is a pretty cool nickname if you think yeah, about it. Absolutely. Prince Henry was the fifth son of the Portuguese King John. He was born in 1394, and he focused his whole life on exploration. In 1419, he built the School of Navigation at Segres, which is in Portugal, a location, a city. At this school, a multi-ethnical group of astronomers, cartographers, uh, which are map makers, and sailors worked on learning more about sea travel, especially the ocean currents, innovation and in shipbuilding, the Cavrel, which will be important to not only him or the Portuguese, but to the Spanish later on, okay. is a new ship that's much more mobile and faster than anything that was out there before him. Hmm. And determining location on the ocean is also critical. Uh, they have two devices that they use. Most people know of the compass, but they also use the astrolabe, which is a Muslim invention. And think of the this invention as kind of a GPS of today. Hmm, okay, I like it. So this school is believed to be the first uh, navigation school in the world. Wow. Uh, oddly enough, the navigator, Prince Henry, did not even go on any of the voyages he commissioned. Hmm. Um, he did really the behind-the-scenes kind of uh, work. He, nevertheless, he never let, nevertheless sponsored the first Portuguese trips to both at northern Africa and to the island just off the coast of Africa. In doing so, historians argue that Prince Henry launched what is now called the Great Age of Discovery. Wow. Uh, pretty cool. So, yeah. The legacy of Prince Henry uh, can really be seen clearly in three voyages. Uh, two of those voyages, uh, oddly enough, he never, he was not around. He died beforehand. Uh, so he wasn't involved oh. in it, but he set the uh, wheels in motion or the sails in motion in this case okay. to get them going. 
So the first one uh, that he was involved in was took place in 1435. Gil Enos, who traveled south to Cape Borajora, about uh, 1,500 miles from Portugal, uh, achieved really a transformation in uh, navigation. Enos uh, broke the myth of what was we what had been known as the Sea of Darkness. Uh, the Sea of Darkness was supposed to be just past Cape Borajora, which was thought to be an area where sea creatures lived and ocean currents were so harsh that no vessel could penetrate. So he actually made yeah. it past those. Yeah, he made <laughs> it past those. And if you look at some of the publications, some of the pictures, you'll actually see some descriptions of like, uh, or drawings of sea creatures taking down boats and stuff. So this was like real to the people at the time. So, so you had to be very brave to say, nope, I'm going to go there anyway and see if we can make it through or see. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, he's really behind that. Again, yeah. he wasn't on the ship, but he kind yeah. of set the wheels in motion or, again, the sails in motion here. Uh, the second voyage uh, took place in 1487 after Prince Henry had already passed away by Bartholomew Diaz. Uh, Diaz discovered uh, that it was possible to get around South Africa, something no wow. one had done since the Phoenicians. Oddly enough, the Venetians accomplished this task 2,000 years before then, but really nobody in Portugal knew that at the time. Sure. And again, if you look at the map, you get the size perspective oh of how small Portugal is versus how large Africa is as a continent. Wow. The Portuguese king, John, named the south part of Africa the Cape of Good Hope, thinking it would inspire others to make the trip. So, you know, you're, you name it something, yeah. you're like, yes, it's the Cape of Good Hope, go, oh. you know, sail past that, okay? <laughs> uh, there happened to be an Italian sailor uh, named Cristoforo Colombo uh, that witnessed Diaz's return voyage. Um, he'll play a role with the Spanish later on with okay. a, kind of a little different spin on his name. De Gama is uh, going to lead the third turning point or the third voyage, uh, and his is going to get all the way to India in 1497. During his first voyage, De Gama brought back 12 pieces of porcelain for the king. Uh, his voyage triggered what historians now call the porcelain mania. Yeah. Now, we'll get more into that later on in class, but um, porcelain is a product that pretty much everybody wants in Europe at the time. Wow. For two, the next 200 years, to give you an idea of how important it is, merchants imported 70 million pieces of what we now call China. Oh, yeah. So wow. China is just porcelain <laughs> plates and cups and stuff. That like is that. where the porcelain's coming from. We shall call it porcelain. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. We still call it China. China, yeah. yeah. So it is easy to see the age of discovery that Prince Henry helped launch as the progression of human beings. Wow. However, it is important to understand the cost of Prince Henry's actions, some intended, some unintended. The most significant of these consequences is the ex exploitation of Africa. With the Portuguese exploring came the purchasing of Africans as slaves. The Portuguese purchased approximately a thousand slaves a year to work the sugar fields in the islands off the coast of Africa. Uh, sugar plantations are really brutal work uh, and many of many of these slaves died. 
This slave trade greatly expanded when the, America, the Americas were discovered. Almost 11 million Africans were forcibly oh taken to the Americas between 1650 and 1831. That number, get this, that number is larger than all the European immigrants that did so oh during that gosh. same period of time. So we often wow. talk about immigration from right. Europe, right? but there was actually more people from Africa well, than all of them. And Europe. it really kicked off when the Portuguese were... Working all their way started. around. Wow. So uh, historical things have consequences. Yeah. Events have consequences. Yeah. Another cost of Prince Henry's exploration led to the downfall of the Portuguese as a superpower. With the success of the uh, exploration came the persecution of the Moors, the oh, Muslims, and yeah. the Jews, which caused instability in the country. Yeah. Eventually, the Portuguese kind of were falled off the... Uh, list of big players in exploration. There are many lessons to be learned here as well. So there should be some takeaways that you're, you're thinking about. History is really complex and unpredictable. N neither during the 14th century or today would we have predicted that the Portuguese would lead the way in exploration. In fact, I find that most Americans only know about the Spanish role in exploration, not the Portuguese. Second, is perspective is key. What I mean by this is that it depends on your perspective as to whether this era of exploration launched by Prince Henry was a positive or negative yeah. event in history. For most Africans and Native Americans, it clearly was not. Wow. But, well, I hope this hot podcast was helpful and I hope I rocked you like a hurricane. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. They really did start the process that rocked the whole world. It did. Like a hurricane. Man, it's, for better or for worse, it's it's part of history. Uh, the ripple is continuing to go, and the Portuguese uh, can, be claim, uh, can claim that they started it. Wow. Thanks again for listening.